welcome to the Barcoding Podcast. In this podcast series, we like to share our knowledge as uh, software developers we have during our Friday evening uh, talks uh, at the bar. And uh, I'm Arnett Rijpkema. And I'm Pauline van Alst. Uh, and today, at our 17th episode, we're going to talk about unit testing. Like like every episode, uh, we start with our fun and uh, or inspiring fact. Uh, so, Pauline, what is uh, your fact? Well, uh, the last weeks I've been working on GraphQL. Uh, yeah, at my assignment, we wanted to um, construct a GraphQL interface, um, and we wanted to do it full Kotlin, using only Kotlin. Uh, yeah, kind of native uh, framework. So we chose not to use Spring, but Gator as application framework mm-hmm. and for the database communication for the ORM, um, ORM we uh, decided to use Exposed. Um, let me think a second. Like a lot of libraries that we used were not coming from the Java ecosystem, but from the Kotlin ecosystem. And I found it really interesting uh, to build an application not using dependency injection, uh, yeah, using DSLs uh, instead of like some reflection magic. Um, so uh, yeah, that was really uh, really interesting to do actually. Okay, nice, nice to to yeah. uh, check other frameworks and how they work and uh, to do a full Kotlin project, right? Yeah, exactly. And it makes you reflect on the frameworks that we used to use, such as Spring in the industry. Uh, yeah, well, of course, you understand that Spring is yeah, pretty mature and uh, yeah, has been used for lots of years now in the industry. So it's optimized in various ways, but it also has its crux. And yeah, you can also... Uh, least not using dependency injection i found it a really elegant way to to build an application and the startup time was really fast as well so um, yeah and the graphql uh, library that we used implementation was really nice really intuitive actually to to write everything down so i was really impressed okay nice maybe we are also going to start with graphql so maybe it's a good opportunity to do a podcast about that like in a cu- couple oh. of episodes about GraphQL. I think it's a hot yeah. topic. So yeah, maybe you should go for, for that. sure. Yeah, we should we should definitely do that. Yes. Um, what was your inspiring fact yeah, or fun fact of the last month? Yeah, for, uh, for me, um, at my current assignment, we are um, changing teams over. Uh, so also responsibilities were, uh, will be uh, moved with the teams and with people. Uh, mm-hmm. And like from the start i I said okay we're gonna get some new services some new people who know about those services uh, and not try not to make them the only one responsible for that part Um, so we had a couple of um, meetings to already um, share the knowledge about everything and I've been off for a couple of weeks, but when I came back, uh, you could already see that it was a shared responsibility because other people were already picking up the uh, like support tickets and everything uh, for that for the new service. So it w- was nice to see that we had like 
a fluent um, transition just because we we said okay everybody's responsible for it now so let's go for it and not one person being responsible for the first months and then after a couple of months we we only transfer that responsibility so that was nice that's that's great but isn't it also that your code base is probably not that complex that other people can take it over that you did a good job at that side as well yeah that's yeah yeah i I do think it, it made life way easier of course that that the code base <laughs> was uh, a bit more understandable but it's still it's it's seen as the a bit more complex parts of the of our company so still mm-hmm. i think it's good that we all had that mindset that we want to yes uh, share that knowledge so i, I think it's mm-hmm. both a little bit of both yeah oh nice nice great to you So for this episode, we're going to talk about uh, unit testing. And yeah, first, it's, it's maybe good to state uh, what is uh, unit testing for us. Um, so for, for that, I, I've, uh, get, I've I got the Wikipedia um, explanation about it. And uh, they s- uh, stated that it's a way of software testing where individual units of code uh, are being uh, tested uh, for fit for use. So I think that's a pretty good explanation, actually, for what I think uh, is software mm. testing. And uh, Pauline, do, do you think it's missing or for you it's the same? No, I think it's pretty suitable definition, yes. Okay, nice. And then, of course, like every episode, I've, I've dove into the history a little bit. Uh, and so I, th- I think I'm uh, always saying the same thing, but... Uh, it started way earlier than I, I would have thought. It was in the 1980s. It was already part of the like the development pr- process uh, where uh, people are wor- already testing their software. Uh, but it, like w- when the 80s, it was kind of more manually unit testing, not really uh, starting off uh, with uh, automation. Uh, that came in the 1990s where the unit testing was really done uh, automatically, which uh, made uh, like li- life way more easier as a software developer because, uh, yeah, with unit testing, I, I think you w- you will be ending up testing it automatically. Otherwise, it's yeah nearly impossible to do uh, to test such a, um, individual small part. It's difficult to do it by hand. Uh, yeah. So that w- really kick started everything. Uh, and then in the early 2000s, um, it was added to the Agile Manifesto that uh, the testing was really important. And uh, they also pointed out that uh, unit testing was one of the yeah, one key things you needed to do to, uh, to go into Agile. Um, mm. So they pointed out, and that's what, yeah, I think really kick-started everything where uh, everybody is now kind of using unit testing probably can't say everybody <laughs> but <laughs> no not everybody yet <laughs> yeah but uh, i think there it really uh, took people's minds and and they started really uh, using it uh, more often
Yeah, and Pauline, I, I think, um, yeah, why do you think it's important for us to, to talk about unit testing? Well, as we just stated, uh, the Agile Manifesto uh, kickstarted the use of unit testing in the software world. Uh, but as far as I've seen until now, um, unit testing is still a challenge somehow. Um, if your code base is implemented properly, it shouldn't be a challenge because there should be the most simple test in your code base. Um, easily maintainable and easily readable. But unfortunately, yeah, reality is different, of course. Um, and sometimes it's, it's just difficult to write a good unit test. It's, it's really a challenge. It, I've worked on so many stories where I put 80% of my time in a good unit test and 20% in writing the code. Uh, just because you need to think through all the scenarios and stuff. Um, and I honestly think that we as software engineers are not, re are not really good at thinking out those scenarios. We always think that our code is the most awesome code in the world. Of course. Not doing, <laughs> not doing anything bad. And we always forget the bad scenarios. We're really good at implementing tests for the happy flows and so terribly bad at writing uh, <laughs> the tests of the not so happy flows. So I think it's really relevant to keep on talking about it and keep on developing frameworks because we are not there yet as, a, as an industry to write proper unit tests for our code uh, base. I think a lot of teams are still discussing the scope of a unit test, um, how to write them down, what to write in a unit test, what to check, what to verify, and so on and so on. So I think in lots of teams that put effort in building a, a good quality code base, there are a lot of discussions still going on on, on writing a good unit test actually. So this, in my opinion, why we should really talk about it. Um, what's your experience with, with unit testing so far? Yeah, that, I think it's, it's the, the same as, as you, you mentioned. <laughs> it really triggered me that, that you said uh, all the teams are really uh, having the discussion, what is a unit? And I, I think that really uh, points out some, something for me that yeah, I, I think for every team I had the same discussion all over again, mm -hmm. like what is a unit, what is a small thing? So maybe uh, between the two of us, we can maybe give what we think is a, is a unit would be interesting to, to answer. Um, so yeah, so let's, let's start, I will start. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I, I just prior, let's challenge ourselves. Let's not answer with it depends. Let's yeah. try to define it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I will try. <laughs> it, it depends on my answer, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I think it's the smallest possible piece of code. Uh, what what you, you can test should be your unit test. So uh, if you're looking to classes, I, I think you end up having all public methods there. Uh, yeah. I would test those. Uh, private, uh, I would skip. Uh, depend, really depend. Sometimes it's, it can make your life easier for to do like a small uh, test on a private function, but uh, I would say just go for your public methods and, and try to, uh, to test those on, on the class level. Uh, and I think unit test would 
not span over multiple classes. So I think one class, one function should be one unit test or even yeah, exactly. more for every scenario. Hmm. So I, I think that's how I keep it in my mind, what I think is unit testing. Yeah, I agree on that uh, in, in theory. Um, although I think you're, it depends <laughs> part of the answer where you, you refer to testing private methods. I actually, when you're tempted to test a private methods, it's a pretty much of a code smell, 90% of the cases. It means that your class structure is not, not there yet. It's not uh, yeah, in its finite state, I guess. That means m most often that you need to think on um, yeah, class responsibilities. When you're tempted to write a unit test for a private method, it most often means that your class is too big, doing too much. And I think that's, if you're trying to think it uh, about unit tests to, in a way that you're writing a test for a really small piece of code, um, uh, unit tests can also challenge you to make better production code, right? Because you're, uh, you have to split up your classes in order to make it all testable. The only pro problem or challenge that I see there is that uh, when you're only testing public methods um, and you want to, to test some logic in a private method because uh, that part of the code was causing bugs or I don't know, you want to get uh, to make it very explicit what the responsibilities are of this private method, you will extract it to another class make it public for some reasons or patch protected or whatever, and then test it. And then you will end up with lots of layers of testing, mm -hmm. testing kind of the same thing. And that is where <laughs> uh, I see always lots of problems with unit testing. And if you do it so poorly, you're testing a lot of logic over and over again. Because your public method is called by another public method, which will be unit tested as well. And I think that's a big challenge. I don't know how you experience that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I can see your point on that. If, if you uh, extract everything to, to public methods, I, I think it's, yeah, for me, like when you keep it that small, your tests are also really small. It's really predictable yeah. what they should test, uh, what but I, I even think it's easier to find the, the like non-common cases because just the code gets smaller, like your classes yeah. will get smaller, so also your test will be smaller. Um, and I, I do, do think you should avoid um, when, I, I think probably go, go into that a bit more detail later on, but with mocking, you should prevent your uh, test to be testing responses of other services. Um, so if, if you're calling uh, another service, uh, mm -hmm. it, it might have different kind of responses. Uh, yeah. But you should you sh should um, try to avoid having too much logic with that function, like uh, having if I call it with this and this parameter, I I know this response will be there. Uh, mm. Logic like that you should prevent in your testing. Just um, 
yeah, just to handle this kind of complexity you're, you're talking about in, in your test. I, I think most of the times, uh, if you have trouble with testing too much classes, there, there's also maybe something wrong with your, your test altogether. Maybe there's too much complexity uh, in it already. Yeah, I think I totally agree with that, especially when you're using so much logic in your test itself. Does that mean that you need to write a test on your test to test the logic that you uh, follow? Yeah, exactly. Then it becomes <laughs> very complicated and you can't rely on your unit tests that heavily if you have so much logic in it. Yeah, and then, then now you're approaching the mocking part of the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> it, I think that's so hard to mock properly, actually. Yeah, it's, it's so difficult. Yeah, and then and I I think uh, most of the time I I know when I do a code change in one service and I need to change a lot of other tests I know there's something is wrong. For example, at, at uh, one of our projects I, I don't think we have our unit testing set up correctly yet. Uh, I I had I I've I've changed uh, or we have like duplications um, when I change for instance an ID. Uh, so I expect something to be returned uh, when I call a specific ID, and that's uh, I, I've changed. I changed it around a little bit, and then mm -hmm. other tests are already involved. So, um, like the mocking is returning objects which are shared and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. So for me, uh, it's really yeah. Some something if I find something like that, I, I know the unit tests are not set up correctly. If I do a certain change and it affects multiple uh, tests, it's most of the time there's uh, something which is incorrect in the, in your unit test setup. I, I, yeah. I think yeah uh, yeah in, in that sense you should avoid things things like yeah or avoid. Uh, it's like something you when you notice that you know you have to do something with your setup. Uh, and, and and for mocking, uh, I think like I mentioned before, you, you should avoid having like dynamic mocks or uh, yeah. re returning cer certain objects and and changing those around. I think there's also yeah. a possibility with for, with for instance Mukito to change the input object and uh, return those. Really? Yeah, I I saw stuff stuff like that happening. Ooh. And then only when that specific call was made, the object was changed uh, to fit into the design of the uh, of the um, of the test. So it was yeah, it was kind of horrible for me. <laughs> and I, I needed to fix stuff like that. You should really keep those uh, mockings um, yeah really generic. And for instance, yeah. with Mokito, I really like to to have in your when statements always have an any, uh, if possible. Yeah. Uh, don't have something like if I fi do a find by ID and then have one hard coded. It should always be an any sh because you shouldn't care at your mocking or, or when you return objects. I think it should be an any only when you assert, then it should mm. be a specific value. Otherwise, I, I think there there will be logic yeah. into your like mocking functions w that one will expect a certain id which maybe can change only at your assertion point you should really validate the internal 
logic whether it's called with the correct values. Yeah, I think that's true, but sometimes you, it's pretty hard if you have the same uh, call to your mocked object, but with different param parameters, there you go already, then you're implementing logic in your test, but um, it's still simple and you want to return those mock calls and you, you want to be in control of what to return when. Um, but I think this is a really interesting point of discussion, right? Because uh, uh, I think mocking is such a big challenge because we can think of a lot of ways on how to do it properly, but we still encounter uh, in, in lots of projects, I see too many stuff being mocked. Sometimes even the object being under test is being mocked, which is why, <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> because then you're not testing anything. But that's because people don't really understand how to mock. And I think, I don't know if someone is listening and has a good talk or good ideas about it. I think a good talk on conferences would be how to implement the correct unit test, which are the guidelines and, and just teach it to anyone because it's, it's really hard actually to, to make proper mocks. And it's really hard when it's inside your, uh, your code base, but when you're mocking inputs from an external call, then it's even harder because um, at least it's even harder if you're not doing contract testing. Yeah. So you have no idea if your test is still valid if the, the other party hasn't changed anything. Yeah, maybe that that's also something. Do, do you think uh, testing like that should be part of unit testing or should it be part of other types of uh, test automation? Yeah, you would say it's part of integration testing, right? Because um, your uh, API calls goes outside, so it's an uh, exit point of your application. Um, I like to extract my uh, calls to third-party uh, services in se separate classes to really extract the logic there. So it's really a plug and play, so you can, it's really interchangeable. But I can imagine that you um, that in some cases you really want to unit test it. Um, your maybe unit test your client because you had a lot of bugs on the client, or I don't know. There can be a lot of reasons why you want to put a unit test there, and then it's pretty valid actually. Yeah, that that I I do agree on on that that there are use cases and. Uh, yeah, you should really, if you do stuff like that, really focus on on like the output you, you're getting back and how yeah. your application or your class will respond on that specific uh, output. Yeah, and I I think it's really important to keep in mind that you should use integration tests for those those kind of specific integrations because it's yeah. yeah it should be part of that layer and not part of your unit testing layer and I, I think there's uh, that's true. Yeah. And then I, I don't think you shouldn't test it, but you should test it in another part of your application. And I think that's sometimes that's where people uh, mix those two layers up, especially with, yeah. with those clients you mentioned. It, it's really mm. easy to uh, or already go into mocking of that whole application and verifying <laughs> yeah. every flow and everything with mm -hmm. all the classes together. But yeah, yeah. there you... you 
I think as, as maybe as a purist, you should really stick to that sp only specific class that is calling and like you mentioned, testing your client on how it will handle uh, stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and that go not go into the whole configuration of everything. No, I totally agree on that, but I, um, it happened more than once that a certain part of the application, uh, a repository or a client or whatever, being such a pain in the you know where, um, having so much bugs and writing integration tests is sometimes pretty hard. And then you just want to make a small feasible unit test, maybe delete it when you solve the bugs or whatever. Uh, but you want to have a unit test there to get grip on the part of the code that, that is causing so much problems. The problem here is that people don't like to re remove tests because it feels awkward to remove a test. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it's it's okay to do that, um, especially when the need is not there anymore. Okay. And because yeah, yeah, yeah. M maybe some other po points on on unit testing. I I think uh, what I've I've seen at at some projects is that. Uh, for instance, at a certain uh, time time of year, like uh, when it's New Year, all tests will fail. <laughs> yeah, 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 because of the dates, yeah. date times, and uh, oh yeah, uh, and oh man. And I, I think <laughs> you you should really also focus on on stuff like that. Really try to um, use fixed dates, and uh, if it's yeah. possible, because I I think we we never really got into the real problem there because we. We're using school years instead of like uh, real years, like calendar years, mm -hmm. and uh, we sometimes had the, the issue that in like the first half of the year it would be in different, like the, the the number of the year would be the previous year, and then the mm -hmm. last half year it will be next year. So yeah. we had um, we had some tests which were not fixed, so we, we uh, just put in like a fixed uh, calendar date there, which really like solve like 99 of our problems already uh, just <laughs> to get rid of those flexible dates if you do, do a local date dot now nah yeah, never do that yeah yeah never never ever do that and if you have to use it in your production code for some really good reason because there are some good reasons then i think it's the only use case where you can do static mocks it's just to mock that call and then return uh, a date where you are in control and if you don't trust it because it's just one single date use a parameterized test with JUnit 5 that's possible with just an array of fixed dates that you go through your test um, yeah dates and unit tests are yeah. crime <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true and, and what about uh, how do you structure your unit test like you write one test, mm -hmm. uh, how do you like to, to structure it? Well, I really like to form, format it properly first. Um, having really a block of code with uh, one, two, three lines of code uh, with the given, uh, yeah, given those uh, initial values. So those initial values can be some mocking uh, statements or uh, test data instantiation or what can you think about and yeah those kind of things then having the call that is going to be under test leaving a mm -hmm. white space between 
then a white uh, white line again, and then the assertions. And if the assertions grow to, if if there are too many assertions, more than two, three, I I, I tend to concise them to find another way to have really, you know, really small blocks of code, uh, just to make it as readable as possible for. Uh, for the other maintainers or for myself in a few few weeks, few months. Mm. Okay, then yeah, uh, I, I really like like that setup of with with given uh, when then try try yeah. to set it up like that, uh, and especially as I sometimes saw people forgetting the assertions, which <laughs> like and I'll always have to laugh That's if so I see cute. that. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cute, and they probably just wanted to have more coverage on their co on their test, and they were mm. like, <laughs> "I can do this," and then <laughs> yeah. no, no <laughs> assert. So I think that's impossible. And and how do you feel? And I think, no, I'm not sure who said it, but um, there are so some people also stating that you should treat your testing code like your production code. So really structured in that that sense uh, extract yeah. methods if possible uh, yeah no duplicate code uh, no unused variables um, I'm often using uh, also test utils classes where uh, the test data is just set up because uh, especially when you're working on uh, systems where a lot of data is coming in and going out you're instantiating lots of classes so you just want to Put that in a utils class. Uh, using builders often yeah. to set up your test data. Uh, yeah, that that's something also I really, I think I, I really like to have like those builders in there, so you don't have yeah. to have like a lot of setters or initiating your objects having exactly. setters. You can just have default values and just. Uh, change the ones you really need. I, I think that's really good suggestion there. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's really easy to implement. Um, it's it's easy to write uh, to read and it's easy to write. So I think it's it's good to use that. And um, so that's the structure in one unit test. But if you're talking about the structure in a, a test class, I uh, really like to use the at nested annotation of uh, JUnit 5, where you can use subclasses uh, that helps to differentiate different flows in the class or uh, uh, different, uh, yeah, just to organize your test class in a, just a higher uh, point yeah. of view and uh, to get some structure there. I really like that feature. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's also really good right so you can more like give give your tests uh, grouping or yeah like group them yeah. together with a certain feature you're testing or or stuff like that yeah that's that's true it's a, mm. a, a good opportunity talking about writing those tests but how, how can we validate whether uh, we talked about it a little bit like code coverage how can we validate that we've written all the correct tests oh uh, yeah well I don't really like the measure of code 
coverage on its own in a project because then you get those tests that you you were saying where you can just make a test and without assertion and uh, your code coverage will be measured it will be increased in your measurement uh, what you often see as well is that if the code coverage is too high uh, set too high for certain languages people are going to set to unit test setters or getters which um, is not so much a good idea as we're we as Java developers are writing uh, are uh, working with a compiled language. So why even test those? Um, but I like code coverage in combination with uh, uh, mutation testing, for instance, which is a technique to uh, validate your test. Mutation uh, tests will modify your compiled code. So change an if statement to an if not statement, for instance. If no tests are failing, it means that you're not properly testing that if uh, statement. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm really fan of uh, mutation testing for sure. Yeah, that yeah, that's really I, I can only agree with with that. Like, uh, code coverage on its own is not not enough. You will have no. only the right test to get that certain. Uh, figure out and and mm. yeah i also really like that that uh, mutation testing uh what i also tend to do when i write my own unit tests is just to validate stuff like that like you said yeah. i i sometimes yeah we can use mutation testing to do to that automatically but i really yeah. like to validate uh, whether my tests are also failing uh yeah. with the correct assertion so sometimes it will change it over uh, to really validate whether I'm testing it correctly, because, like like you said in the beginning, uh, as software developers, we think we <laughs> write code awesomely and everything is fine and <laughs> not, uh, everything is good, but also the same applies to to our uh, writing of unit tests. Sometimes we think we are testing everything correctly, but it's yeah. always really good to uh, to verify your assertions. For instance, just flip them over and. And, and check whether they they are failing uh, at that specific point you uh, you would you think they they uh, they would fail. Yeah, and I think that's a good practice for all kind of tests to do that. And I also sometimes tend to do that during a review. So I check out the code, remove a part of the code, and then see if something is failing. If it's not, um, yeah, then I leave some review comments over there. Um, it feels kind of nasty to do that because you're really trying to look for the fuck up of your colleague. But I think it's a very valuable exercise because I'm also doing it on my own uh, test just to remove some stuff or to change those versions or something. But as you're writing the code yourself, you will only go to uh, the parts of the code that you're hesitant about it or not so sure about it, but you won't. Yeah. You don't oversee everything, so it's a very valuable exercise to do it during a review as well. Okay, yeah, it's interesting actually. And I never th thought about like running or f flipping over other, uh, somebody el else's test, but yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, just randomly, you know, yeah. you pick out a line, you change it, you see what happens. Yeah, maybe it's also good to, to, to do that with like, uh, I think you said it with things you think is really important in that specific PR why you maybe mm. want to validate it extra. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that, I, I think 
we almost touch everything of the of the unit testing, right? Or did we forget some uh, some important uh, stuff here? Uh, let me think. I think I think also something that we sh didn't mention is how to name your testing methods. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With JUnit 5, we can use annotations to write down a yeah, human readable sentence. Uh, with uh, Kotlin, you can use the backtext to uh, write down a human readable sentence. But somehow those sentences are never human readable, as sometimes I find still in code bases, uh, the function name or the text in the, uh, in the annotations being testing. Yeah. Like testing one. Test, <laughs> testing two. <laughs> testing two, yeah. Or blah, or foo, or bar. Um, because someone started just to write a test, didn't know what the test scenario would be, and the reviewer didn't see it. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the, the method names are so valuable for the, uh, for unit tests. Yeah, yeah, so true. And uh, do you have do you like a specific structure for that, or how do you do that? Yeah, I think if I'm writing in Java, I like to see the given when then structure back using for this, uh, for instance uh, underscores to distinguish the three parts of the scenario, um, and I want to to be it written all out. And the main reason for that is that uh, the scope of a unit test. The first one who writes a unit test, the unit test is most often small and uh, comprehensible, but then someone else touches that code and then the unit test will grow and grow and grow. So I kind of have the hope that if you name the test scenario well in the function, people in the method, people will think about <laughs> how to add stuff to a unit test yeah. or not. Okay, that yeah. would be my theory. What's your point of view? Yeah, the, I, I can agree on that. I really like that the given when then structure uh, where mm. you can just see what is like the starting uh, starting point of that test. Uh, what are you testing? And then what are you checking actually on, on that specific test? And you can in some way also uh, validate from the method name whether um, the developer uh, written the correct things there because maybe yeah. he's saying I given this scenario and and like the first line underneath it isn't do not <laughs> checking the given so mm -hmm. I really I like that idea is also there to uh, yeah to yeah give some energy to naming your tests uh, just to like you said it's th the scope of those tests will be longer than only you making them. Uh, yeah. Probably also people need to change it at, at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's also I I think where the the nesting uh, you were talking about earlier also really helps that you can just group them even even better, group them together doing the same thing. Uh, yeah. Also maybe it has to do a little bit more with structure, but I really like to have all the uh, test testing the same method within one block or near each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, just to uh, to check those, and and yeah. I, I really like to have that, that structure there that I can check every scenario there. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, unit tests are not only shouldn't only be treated as doc uh, as a production code, but they should also be treated as your documentation of your code. Yeah, and those are really two two very uh, important things. 
Yeah, that's true. And 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 what about we're, we're testing? Talk about testing our, our own code. Uh, but but how do we deal with frameworks? Do we test them or how does how does is that work in in, in your your opinion? No, I, I won't test frameworks. <laughs> Um, uh, but I would uh, test the use of it, and I think um, that's a very thin line, of course. But I would never test frameworks for sure. So the method in the when statement shouldn't be the call to a method of a framework. But the use of the framework should be tested. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree on that. And. Maybe another question on that. What what shouldn't we test? Setters and getters for sure. Yeah. <laughs> In Java. I've seen that so much, so often. Uh, yeah. What shouldn't we test? I don't know. Do, uh, you probably have an yeah. idea on that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I I think uh, li like we mentioned before, also uh don't don't test your integration on unit test level. I also think yeah. uh, sometimes, and it also has to do a little bit with how spring test works. And I mm -hmm. think uh, spring test is already like um, starting your application already. Uh, yeah. So it's really, um, yeah, it, it really li like helps you to make the mistake to write integrations tests instead of unit tests. And uh, yeah. that's why I almost always think if you use uh, Spring Test or Spring Boot Test, you're already writing integration tests because you're exactly yeah, you're, you're writing tests for multiple classes. So uh, <laughs> that that's well, you're firing up your application. So yeah. it's not a unit of code anymore. It's your application, and that's why it's an integration test. Yeah. So so I. I yeah, that's something uh, I I think we we shouldn't add in into our unit tests. It's that's yeah. so, so important to have them. Even there, we didn't ma even make that remark. But unit testing should be fast. It, it should be failing as fast as possible, and it yeah. should be like se milliseconds work for one, and for the whole set, it it wouldn't last. I think two minutes, maybe five, if you have a really big project. Uh, mm. And then I think you should really have fast unit tests there. Yeah, well, actually I've seen it in one project where they started, all the tests were integration tests, but uh, all the dependencies of the classes were mocked. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's exactly what you're describing. I guess um, someone tried to write down a unit test, mocking is hard, so uh, they couldn't really find a solution to whatever problem they, they faced. They added the uh, at spring test annotation and magically everything works. Yeah. Um, and then you're losing control entirely on what you're testing and how you're testing it. So it's really, really good that you're saying this. You should be really aware of how you're testing your code. And if it's mag magically working, it's never good. You should try yeah. to understand what is working and how it's working. And, and I think that's uh, really a good remark to, to end uh, the podcast because uh, we're already <laughs> there. <laughs> oh, no, already. It, testing is such an interesting topic. So. Yeah. And, and I think, I hope th this podcast will help you how to improve your unit testing and, and 
keep your focus on it like like we started uh, off already I, I think it's really important to uh, to focus on writing unit tests just to make your application uh, yeah work better and perform better yeah exactly and, and don't be afraid writing good unit tests is really hard it's, it's a skill to that you need to learn so if you're not doing it properly right now that's fine go out there try to find some tips and tricks and uh, if you know how to write them correctly give talks or write articles about it to help everyone out yeah i think uh, that will end our podcast and uh, thanks for listening and uh, and hope you will uh, listen uh, for to the next episode exactly Thank you.